meant to be on air where you're going off on ghosts and tragedy and murder and then suddenly I interject with, yeah, I feel so bad for them. Stop licking your butthole. <laughs> I think that's the perfect interjection. <laughs> Knock it off. Yes, it's you. You're not in trouble. You are very cute. I don't know why you're sitting like this. There she goes. So Katie has a new addition to her family. I do. And she's super cute and I can't even stand it. I'm going to post pictures on her social media, but she got this sweet little puppy. I do. Her name is Harper and she's three and I am obsessed and she currently is obsessed with licking her crotch on my lap. Um... <laughs> so context for people um <laughs> yes you know i just okay excellent like, okay <laughs> okay uh... hi hi everyone hi. <laughs> welcome to two girls who scare easily uh i'm andy i'm katie and that's Harper. And yeah, you can't hear I can't her. See what she's doing? No, I can. She's still doing it. Leave alone. No, don't lick my hand right after. <laughs> oh, I love you so much. <laughs> Welcome to parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> Just instantly, like, why are you wet? I don't know. What did you do? I don't know. What's on your body? I don't know. Why is this sticky? I don't know. Where'd you get it from? The trash. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you. Wow. Golly. I was gifted a chocolate-covered graham cracker one time by a toddler who wanted to share. Very sweet. Took it. Out of their mouth <laughs> and handed it to me. And I went, Oh, oh. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <sighs> yeah. And then put it in a napkin and said, I'm just going to save this for later and have this later and then threw it away oh and washed my hands and <laughs> so our podcast okay. Andy what's what's our what is our podcast about because let's focus Who even on knows anymore um <laughs> our podcast is about the strange and spooky in and around Colorado and we tell each other stories we have kind of a uh a special spooky season episode today spooky season volume two exciting. yeah it's super exciting um before we get into our story though i don't know did you see did you see my post on instagram about my halloween mystery no so okay so this really weird thing happened and i promise it's like spooky season related so I, this was like two days ago, I walked the kids to school, 
and I'm walking home and I look over at our front porch and I see there is a jack-o'-lantern there that we did not carve. (laughs) I don't know where this jack-o'-lantern came from. It is a mystery one. It is well carved too. Like it's, it's like a big pumpkin and it's not even like we had the pumpkin and somebody else carved. No, it's just appeared. And so I assume it's like kid shenanigans. The kids were out raking the leaves with all the neighborhood kids the day before. I'm like, okay, weird. And so I wait and they get home from school and I'm like, hey, do you guys know anything about this mystery pumpkin? And they're like, what? No idea. They have no idea where it came from. So then my husband is looking at our doorbell camera and he sees 11 p.m. the night before some guy and it's hard to tell but it looked like a younger guy like teenager 20s something walks up puts this jack-o'-lantern on our porch steps back looks at it for a second walks back down the driveway gets in a car and drives away um (laughs) what is the image carved on the pumpkin Because Um, if it's symbols that look vaguely pagan that you don't recognize, you need to move. You need to move now. (laughs) It's, let me see if I can get the, like a still frame here. Uh, It, yeah, I, mm. (laughs) it's just like, it's a face. (laughs) It's a face. Like, just like a jack-o'-lantern face, but with, like, X's for eyes. But it doesn't look, like, super ominous. Like, the way they did it is not as horrifying as I'm making it sound. (laughs) I don't... Andy, I think you might need a new house. Um, I... (laughs) It's Just throw the whole house out. That I have ever encountered. Um, hold on. Let me find the picture for you real quick. Ba-ba-ba. Like, I know of teenagers and shenanigans, like, smashing pumpkins, yeah. which then my brain Easy. instantly... Oh, that looks so horrifying on the phone. I don't but... believe you that that's not scary. <laughs> Fuck you. That's not... <laughs> what? That's not true. It's okay. It's not a big deal. She just shows me these hollow X's for eyes and this jagged overexposed face. Andy. Andy. I don't know. Has there been any other weird shit now inside your house? Have things started moving? No, like everything else is fine. Mm. And like... No more extra pumpkin. I don't, I, I don't know what's happening, but also I really, really hope that is the beginning of a trend where you just leave jack-o'-lanterns on strangers' porches. But like, why though? I don't that, know. Just to spread Halloween cheer. If people ever wonder, for folks who play tabletop games, let's say Dungeons and Dragons, and you can choose your alignment. And everyone wonders, what would chaotic good look like? This is what chaotic good would look like. 
randomly putting jack-o'-lanterns <laughs> on people's porches simply because why not? Because who wouldn't want a jack-o'-lantern? Here you go. Blip, blip, blip. Chaos ensues. <laughs> Uh, well, we've determined my alignment. Is chaotic good? <laughs> um. Yeah. So, I I don't I don't even know what to do about it. I've just like just left it there. Maybe they got the house wrong. That was so. That was my thought. Also, like we moved in in July. And there were teenage girls who lived here before us. It's just like maybe it was like a guy and he was like trying to be smooth or something for one of these girls and didn't realize she moved. I don't know. (laughs) That is not the way. That's not the way to go about charming. Are you telling me? Are you telling me that if a guy surprised you with a jack-o'-lantern? With that face? Fuck no. (laughs) Fuck no, Andy. (laughs) I am telling you right now. Carve me a pumpkin? Yeah, that's adorable. With a face like that and you just leave it on my front porch? I'm taking that as a direct threat. (laughs) It was really weird. (laughs) Okay, look, if uh, it starts doing other weird stuff like bleeding from its non-existent eyes <laughs> or if you see a car parked near your house just watching, leave. Leave it. <laughs> look at my hands. This is this is the universal going leave. away. <laughs> No, thank you. No. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my fun Halloween mystery. I'm sure the reality is very innocent that someone probably was trying to like be nice to their friend and got the house number wrong or whatever, mm-hmm. what have you. But if you're out there and you're hearing this. just want to send us a little dm so we know what's going on or if anyone else has ever had a random uh, pumpkin left on their front or front step. delivered a random pumpkin yeah if this is a thing either side yeah let us know maybe we're just not cool enough i'm for sure not i'm ab- i'm for sure <laughs> not, not. Cool. absolutely not <sighs> yeah so, so <laughs> speaking of um, haunted things, do you want to uh, tell the good folks what our topic is? Sure. We are doing our first ever collab. Boop, 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 boop. That was my trumpet fanfare. And... So I'm doing one part, Andy's doing another. Today we are talking about Highlands Ranch Mansion, also known as Highlands Ranch Castle. Yeah, mansion does not do it justice. It, yeah, it's giving castle, which was on purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like money, money. 
in all caps, money. Yeah, not even just like the first letter mm-hmm. cap, like the whole thing. Just throw your weight around money. Um, mm-hmm. And wait, should I tell? Should I tell people our fun story and let you go into the details, or do you want to go into the details? Yeah, I think. Um, I think we. I think we tell them why we're doing Highlands Ranch Mansion. That sounds right. But then we save the experience for for later. Okay. Cool. We're talking about it because Andy and I went there. That's why. And it was... We did. We did a hot girl ghost hunt. It was very (laughs) fun. It went on late into the evening. I mean, late for us. Late late for me. (laughs) Late for us on a Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I went home straight to bed. Just, Mm -hmm. hey, hi, hello. Good night. Um... But it was a great time. The house is the house. What? House. The mansion is <laughs> stunning. Absolutely. Absolutely stunning. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful space. And is the reason that the town Highlands Ranch gets its name. So if you're ever wondering, where Very did that fancy. come from? Well, it came from this house. The seed land of the town was land that was from this ranch. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that checks out. Um, Okie dokie. Anything else before we get into it? Um, I don't think so. Oh, I don't have anything. Just my mystery pumpkin. So Katie is going to tell us about the history of the mansion, and then I am going to talk about the spooky side. Yeah. Like I said, it was a ghost hunt. It was ghost hunt, and it was very, very fun. It was. So, I guess we'll start at the beginning. Um, the main part of the history of the house starts at the tail end of the 19th and then into the early part of the 20th century. So it's had quite a few owners over its lifetime. The first owner of both the house and the land, he owned it from 1884 to 1893, was a man named Samuel Allen Long. He was from Pennsylvania His family had a long military lineage. His, he was born in 1827. So I'm thinking either his dad, if he was elderly or his grandfather fought in the revolutionary war. They were very proud of all of this. And wait, which side? (laughs) Well, I'm guessing because they specify patriotic revolutionary war veterans. Revolutionary. I was thinking civil war. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm guessing they All weren't loyalists. merged together. I don't know. <laughs> they wouldn't say it. Um, so Long started making his money in manufacturing. So he started a manufacturing business. And then, you know, this is the 1800s. So anyone who could read could also get involved in politics. If, as long as you were a white man. 
Uh, so he started getting involved in local politics and he also started investing in the petroleum industry. That is everything that I learned about this house. The theme that runs through it is this shit is oil money. Old school oil money. Yeah. Which is a double-edged sword. They're not even messing with the gold. They're just like... They're messing with black gold. Yeah, they're messing with black gold. (laughs) And, uh, you know, destroying our planet in order to make a buck, not great. Designing an absolutely gorgeous house and having a lot of land and using it for some other cool purposes. Okay, fine. Um, People are complicated. People are very, yeah. People are complicated and many, many shades of gray. I think we all are. Yep. I'm probably a trash person to a number of people. I'm a trash person to myself. Yeah, that too. Half the time. (laughs) So he was doing very well for himself and then started getting into railroad money. Heyo. Because this is... It's like uber rich guy bingo here. Yeah. Um, Funny enough, (laughs) he served on the board of directors for the B&O Railroad, which stands for the Baltimore and Ohio line. And that railroad is used in the game of Monopoly. (laughs) So... (laughs) The fuck? We're at this part of history. This is the segment we're falling into of rich white dudes that just created our society for better or worse that does explain the scrooge mcduck and vault yes that we saw <laughs> this yes that we had to have somewhere that was 100 just, just for like gold bars no one can tell me otherwise yeah. no oh <laughs> god so he was money, money, and decides at this point, this is 1880, Colorado is baby state. Fucking nothing is out here. I mean, there's shit out here, but you can still like in the area of Highlands Ranch, which is just outside past Denver, uh, there's not fuck all there. It's just land. So he was like, mm, fuck yeah, this is this is sweet. And he moves to Denver in 1880. He also moves because the B&O Railroad moves out to Denver in 1880. At this time, Denver is a big, becoming a bigger and bigger seat for silver, gold, and cattle. So railroads have a huge intersection in Denver. Uh, funny enough, they still do. Yep. So he starts dabbling here because what else are other rich people going to do but try and make more money? So he dabbles in some coal and some gold mining. He dabbles in raising livestock. Um, He was a big promoter of Denver as a city and trying to get industry out here, trying to make it grow. And he was very smart and he bought up some pretty good land purchases. Like, 
some very good land purchases. One of those being a homestead in Northern Douglas County, which is now where the town is. He files his homestead in 1884. By 1891, he had built a small but stone farmhouse. And the original name of the property was Rotherwood Estate. Hmm. Rother, I think it's Rotherwood. That's how I would pronounce Probably. it. And that was because that was the farm he grew up on when he was a kid. That was the name of his family's farm. Ah. So he wanted to continue that. Um, well, that's cute. You can still see where he carved the year that he built the house and the name of the estate in the current home. We saw that on our guided tour while they were doing renovations. They actually uncovered the wall and the cornerstone of the original house. So they didn't, what I like about it is that they never totally tore down the homes and then rebuilt from scratch. Folks just added on to. So there are still glimmers of his original homestead. And I think that's fun. That is neat. Mm -hmm. On the farmstead was also like a fuck ton of just Blank land, ranch land, farm land, like 50,000 acres of land. When we're talking a lot, we're talking a, like a lot. I can't even picture what that means. <laughs> and nobody else is out there. That's, that's, like, that's like Lion King shit. Like <laughs> everywhere the sun touches. <laughs> so then what's the shadowy part? What's the elephant graveyard you can never go into? Uh. My first thought was Greeley. I was going to say, but that's north. <laughs> I know, that's that's northern Colorado. You must never Aurora? go there. Oh, I was, Aurora. Um, so he builds the house in 1891, but he actually sells it in 1893. And it was, he was doing some really good farming techniques. And... Other farmers, other agriculturalists in the area that are starting to buy land and doing like big scale farming are looking at his techniques and they're like, oh, hey, that's kind of cool. Um, but he just decided to sell it. I couldn't find the reason. And this is 1893, so there might not have been one listed. It could have been that he realized farming is a lot of work all of the time. Um, or it could be that maybe he was just ready to retire. Who knows? But he sells it in 1893 to real estate agents, and then they placed it on the resale market. A few years later, it was purchased by a man named John Springer. He purchases the estate in 1897. And he lives there until 1913. And what did he do? He was born in Jacksonville, Illinois in 1859. And he wanted to be a congressman, congressperson. And so he did. He became a lawyer. Huh. And then he joined, and then he moved to Denver in 1896 with his wife, and he started getting involved in local law and politics. He tried to run for mayor in 1904, but that didn't work. 
at all. <laughs> uh, and it might be a future idea for some weird or little known Colorado history. It goes down as being one of the most corrupt elections ever run in Denver's history. Uh, so. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! Funny. We're number one. Yay. We're number one. <laughs> um, and then, unfortunately, his wife Eliza also died days after the final votes were counted. So he lost, and Aww. then his wife Eliza tragically dies. She died of tuberculosis. Because this is still yeah. that time where people don't know that what causes tuberculosis. And this is still right. very much the age of go out west if you have TB because the air is better for your lungs and it will heal you. And mm-hmm. not understanding that it's a bacterial infection. So Also, there's less air here. <laughs> it was thought that dry air would be better for the pneumonia-like symptoms and the fluid in your lungs. And, like... I would still think, like, more air, though, would be better. And maybe. (laughs) I don't know. It's... I mean... Anything's better than smog-polluted, damp East Coast cities of the Industrial Revolution... That is ...that have no environmental protections. And... Just... Victorian houses where you don't know germ theory and you know you're everything's burning coal every everything's burning coal even with very healthy lungs that is hard on you so yeah yeah anything's better than that unfortunately it's not going to cure a bacterial infection okay okay yeah yeah that's not her fault. Like, you don't know what you don't know. Nobody knew what was causing it. Very tragically, she dies. So he's absolutely devastated. Um, is still a lawyer. Is still trying to be involved in local Denver politics. Loves horses. Loves showing horses. So 1897 rolls around. He purchases small, like, tiny ranch plots around the Denver area. And one of the plots that he purchases is Rother Wood Farm and the adjoining farmland. So he's buying up. So I think I may have been incorrect. Before, at its height, the Highlands Ranch Mansion and the ranch itself was 50,000 acres. It was added to... Gotcha. Over time. There was still, like, the first guy, Long still had plenty of farmland. But now it's that plot plus multiple other ranching properties. Mm -hmm. So he consolidates all of them, moves into the house, and at this point the land is 12,000 acres, which, again, not a small number. No. Not small at all. And he turns the property into Springer Cross Country Horse and Cattle Ranch. And he starts breeding German coach stallions. German Oldenburg Mm. coach stallions. 
And then he starts remodeling the farmhouse. So it goes from being just a very small A-frame, standard prairie farmhouse. One door, couple windows, nothing big. Mm -hmm. And he adds a living room. He adds a turret. I mean, why wouldn't you? Which is still the front of the house. That's still where the front door Mm -hmm. is. Um, That wasn't where the front door was. So that's pretty cool. In fact, there's still questions of how exactly he got into the upper levels of the turret because there weren't stairs. And people were like, did he just have a ladder on the outside of the house? Maybe. (laughs) He might have. Maybe. So he adds the turret, which is still seen at the front of the house. He adds the living room section, which is still on the existing structure. And that is what turns it from just stone farmhouse to more castle-like. That was on purpose. Like, that was an intentional... He wanted it to look like I would a castle. He wanted I mean, it to it be intimidating. Straight up crenellation. Like... <laughs> That's just castle shit. Mm-hmm. You don't do that and be like, no, I don't. I don't want it to be a castle. I don't see it. Yeah, you know what you're. You know what you're doing. Yeah. He also then in 1907 remarries a woman named Isabel Patterson, and he changed the name of the house to Castle Isabel. Ah. Unfortunately, um, a few years later, they divorced in 1911 after finding out that she had been involved in a love, it's not a love triangle. She was involved romantically with two other gentlemen that ended very badly. He found out that she was being unfaithful and he divorced her. And then he sold his ranch to his father-in-law from his first marriage, Colonel William Hughes in 1913. And then John Springer disappears. He says, fuck this shit, I'm out. (laughs) He retires. He no longer wants to be prominent in Denver public life. He says, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. Fuck you. Okie dokie. That's fine. Cool. So then Colonel William Hughes owns it from 1913 to 1919. And he was born in 1840, also Jacksonville, Illinois. He was born on a farm. But he left home at age 19 to become a sheep and cattle driver in Texas and absolutely loved it. He loved Texas. He loved driving cattle, loved being a rancher, had a brief interlude where he left and then joined the military during the Civil War. And that's how he got the name Colonel. He was promoted in active service during the Civil War and then Afterward, he got involved in law and in banking in Texas and then started to, he founded the Continental Land and Cattle Company, which became one of the largest ranching conglomerates in the world. So then he got that ranch money. What a, what a time, man. Fucking time. What a time to be a white dude. You could do anything and just take over the world with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) no one was telling you no yeah if you were very specifically anything yet a 
heterosexual presenting white man. Yes. Then you could just be like, I'm just going to buy your shit. You can't stop I me. I own this now. I own this. Yeah, you could just <laughs> go in and be like, mm-hmm, I own this. And people would say, no, you don't. And you'd say, but this piece of paper that I wrote up that my friend told me is legal says that I do. So I do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so after making an unholy amount of money, he follows his daughter and her then husband, John Springer, and granddaughter Annie. They moved to Denver. Um, and it, again, the whole reason that they moved to Denver was that they were hoping that it would help Eliza's tuberculosis. And then mm-hmm. it unfortunately didn't. But at the time, Colonel Hughes was involved in a number of real estate ventures. He was purchasing land. One of the areas that he bought was Perry Park in southwest Douglas County. He was hoping to turn it into a way station for train routes and coaches between Denver and Colorado Springs. And then in 1913, his son-in-law said, I'm tired of this life. Would you like to buy my house? Because I want to get out of this. I don't want to be here. It reminds me of two tragic relationships. No, thank you. So Colonel Hughes purchases Cross Country Horse and Cattle Ranch. He changes the name to Sunland Ranch and then continues Hmm. to operate it for horse breeding. Okay. So that's primarily what it was known for, cattle breeding and horse breeding as as a ranch. And then he dies in July 1918, and he was very successful at it. He was the second wealthiest man in Colorado. Ah, I thought you meant he was very successful at dying. I was like, what well, makes him more successful than anyone else who does it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so he was the second wealthiest man in Colorado, money-wise. Money-wise. And Solid. the first wealthiest man who will come into play later is a man named Lawrence Phipps Sr., That's not a mispronunciation. It's Phipps, not Phillips. Gotcha. Funny enough, that Lawrence Phipps Sr. is the father of one of the other owners of Highlands Ranch. So this is, again, this is all a bunch of wealthy people, and they are all interconnected and friends with each other because what does power and money Mm -hmm. like to do? It likes to stay within itself and continue to grow like a blob. So that's why. So after Hughes dies, in his will, he left Sunland Ranch to his granddaughter, Annie. She lived there for two years, and then she sold it to oil tycoon Waite Phillips. Very confusing. There's a Phillips, there's a Phipps. Not the same person. At all. What was I going to say? I... Lost my place. I mean, it was pretty cool that even if it was two years, there was a female owner. 
of the mansion. So, right. Whoop, whoop. That's something. She owned it from 1918 to 1920. Um, and then just ended up selling it because she didn't want to own a massive ranch property and she didn't want to manage it. I mean, yeah, that does seem like a lot of work. It's a fuck ton of work. Or it's because it was haunted. (laughs) Or it's because people were leaving horrifically carved pumpkins on her doorstep and not saying why. (laughs) So she sells it, 1922, Wait Phillips. Of Phillips Oil. You know. No big. Low-key. Not at all. Just low-key. He was born in 1883 in an Iowa farm. He had an identical twin brother. And at 16, they say, fuck it. Let's go west. So they take jobs and hitchhike along the way. Doing kind of whatever they can because they just wanted Mm -hmm. to explore. They wanted to see the United States. And um, unfortunately, his twin brother died. It looks like his twin brother was named Wyatt. But get... That's how I'm pronouncing it. Guess how okay. these names are spelled. So there's Wait, W A I T E. Cool. Okay. Okay. Cool. And then his twin brother, I say Wyatt. His brother's name was pronounced or was spelled W I A T E. But why? Because it was like the 1880s. You could do whatever the fuck you wanted. Nothing mattered. It's the 1800s of it all. Fine. Now, so I'm (laughs) pronouncing it Wyatt. So unfortunately, Wyatt dies. His appendix burst. Uh, I mean, that's hard even now. And people were not washing yeah. their hands before surgeries at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So, assuming he could even find a surgeon yeah. on this random journey west, you're not making it out of that alive, which is awful. So, his brother, mm-hmm. wait, is absolutely devastated. And that is when he decides, I'm going to go back home. And, you know, I had my fun. We traveled around, we had rucksacks, we hopped on trains, we did the whole thing. We lived that railroad bum life, and my partner is not here now. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to get my shit together. So he starts as an accountant and then does pretty good with that, is getting more adept at the -the behind-the-scenes business operations, moves to Oklahoma, and then gets into the oil business with his two older brothers. They start Phillips Petroleum Company. Then later on, he becomes the sole proprietor. Mm. And Phillips Oil Company starts doing very well. Um, Really well. Really, really, really well. So well, in fact, that in 1925, he sells the company for $25 million. In 1925 money. 
I didn't even know there was that much money back then. I think that was all of it. Like, I'm pretty sure that was all of it. What would that be in today's money? Let's look it up. Okay. Because that, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot of money now. If someone says, I sold my company for $25 million, you'd go, hell yeah. Um, Right? You don't have to work again for the rest of your life. What year was it? 1925. Okay. Um, Okay, and it was 25 million? Mm Mm-hmm. So many zeros. Oh, God. 429 million. Good God. (laughs) So he had just a little bit of cash that he saved up from saving his pennies and not getting avocado toast or going out for coffee on work days Mm -hmm. and now was in possession of a $429 million fortune. And (laughs) what do you do when you do that? You move even farther out west and you buy a big-ass house Big ass ranch land, and you do big ass things. So he and his wife, Genevieve, they actually, it was pretty cool. They donated the home that they were living in in Tulsa for it to be used as an art museum. Pretty sure it still is. And they donated their ranch in New Mexico to the Boy Scouts, and then they purchased Sunland Ranch. From Annie Springer Hughes. So he he already had other land in the Rocky Mountain region. And then he and his wife wanted to use Sunland Ranch, now Highlands Ranch, for Mm -hmm. continuing breeding operations. For like really, really nice horses and cat like. I don't think you can describe horses and cattle as designer, but if you could, they are. <laughs> like like prime okay. breeds. Yeah. So he also buys more land in the surrounding area, more ranch property, and changes the name from Sunland to Phillips Highland Ranch. No S. Okay. That comes in later. Gotcha. And they stayed there quite a bit. They liked it. They liked staying at Highland Ranch. So even though they had like a bunch of other houses, because that's what you do when you have Mm -hmm. so much money that you can't spend it all in your lifetime. Um, And there actually is a picture of Waite's son, Elliot, on a pony in the living room of Highlands Ranch. <laughs> so they like to go there. They like to ride horses. They like to entertain. They like to have people over. And they ended up selling the house in 1926 because they wanted to move back to Oklahoma for other business commitments that they had. Mm. So they were here. It was great. It was fun. And then they thought, okay, we need to go back, be a little bit closer to our actual roots. We, you know, we can't stop that hustle. What if they run out of money? Oh, God. Think of what. But what if? 
we run out of money. Yeah. This imaginary thing that we just made up and that then only decided was very important. Have half a billion of. Yeah. But what if, guys, we run out of money? But what if? So... 1926, he sells the property to a man named Frank Kessler, who was born in North Carolina in 1882, then moved pretty young to Van Buren, Arkansas, spent most of his life on a farm outside of there. He also got into oil. He was an oil leaser for Texaco, where so they would go mm-hmm. and lease the rights on property to mm-hmm. pump for oil. And... Then learned enough about the business after working at Texaco for a while. He founded his own oil company called Parco. And that ended up becoming very successful. So it it stood for Producers and Refiners Corporation. They founded the company in 1917. They also founded a town in Wyoming because you could just do that. I think you probably still can in Wyoming. You, pro- <laughs> you probably could. Uh, the town <laughs> has since been renamed. It's Sinclair, Wyoming. So it did not keep the company name. Isn't Sinclair another oil company? <laughs> yeah, it's the one with the dinosaur mascot, right? Which, is that funny it's or that- cruel? I don't that know, it, but it's a dinosaur one, and it's oil, which is dinosaurs. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> I never thought about that before. <laughs> I mean, it was entertaining because they had a statue outside the gas station by my old house. Yeah, you could play of, on like, it. A, it was great. The, yeah, and they'd like decorate him. Mm-hmm. I want one of those. But that's a little, that's dark. Blah, blah. That's dark. <laughs> so... It does very well. They moved the company headquarters to Denver, where Frank Kessler and his wife Florence were living at the time. And then they started doing even better. So six years after, because this is the oil boom, especially out west, six years after they founded the company. So that's 1917. 1917 plus six. God, I'm sounding like a fucking idiot that I can't do basic math. It's 1923. The company had a net worth of $50 million of 1923 money. So that's, I mean, we just did $25 million and that was almost $500,000. So that's like a billion dollars, basically. Yeah. Very, very wealthy. So they decided, let's try ranching. So he purchases from Wait Phillips in 1926. Highland, singular, ranch Mm -hmm. and the idea is that he also wants to breed dairy cows beef cattle sheep chicken and hogs he changes the name once again to the diamond k ranch and it worked they had very successful breeding and it was they were continuing to make money they had four children They were living at the ranch. They also still had their home in Denver. They were high society folks. And then, unfortunately, 1929 rolls around. 
And a number of things happen in 1929. What's one of those things that you can remember, Andy? Uh, 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 is, uh, the, 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 the depression, I believe. Indeed. Maybe it was around then. Where lots of people who have a lot of money suddenly don't have any money anymore. Zero money. Um, that. Did I lose a billion dollars. That happened. Before that happened, the family also went through their own personal struggles where Frank, Frank and Florence got divorced. And it was a big mm. to-do because Frank a big then very quickly, like two weeks later quickly, remarries a woman named Leanna. So Ooh. some scandal Scandalous. rocks the family yeah. that Florence and the four children are no longer living at Diamond K Ranch. And Frank and Leanna now are. Now, at the time, they still have a lot of money and they continue to enjoy pretty high social standing and they have a lot of parties. So this, there had been additions to the home prior to this. Everyone had added on mm-hmm. bits for for their own needs, for living spaces, for accessibility, for updating, what have you. Huge renovations occur to the inside of Highlands Ranch in this period from 1929 to 1930. Like they gut a lot of areas and turn it into what we see in the house today because they were throwing a lot of parties. So they really wanted it to be an entertaining space. Flip side of that is they're also spending a lot of money on remodeling in the Great Depression. Oops, kadoodle. They also transfer or transform the exterior of the property. They start adding on the Tudor style imaging. So the areas mm-hmm. that aren't stone that look like the plaster and timber, that was additions that the Kistler couple now because no longer a family. That is from them. They wanted to turn it into like a Tudor-style country home. Hmm. And they do. Okay. And it's beautiful. However, the stock market also crashes. And Frank loses a lot of money. Hmm. Millions of dollars of money are just gone. So he sells the Diamond K Ranch in 1937. And then he and Leanna moved to Glenwood Springs and buy the Hotel Colorado and Hot Spring property. Hmm. And they run that. That is a place that is very high on my to visit list. Me too. Ooh. Let's do like a retreat. Ooh, yeah. We can call it a business expense. (laughs) Yeah. The two girls who scare take to the road. (laughs) So 1937, he sells the ranch to its final individual owner, 
the last person who actually lives in the home, using it for its intended purposes. A man named Lawrence Phipps Jr. And now I can just think of the Harry okay. Barty Crouch Jr. Ah, <laughs> uh, you might remember his papa was the wealthiest man in Colorado for quite some time. Uh, yes, so of course. this dude inherits a little bit, just a little, just a little bit of money. Um, his father gained a lot of money working for Carnegie Steel and then became a U.S. senator. And if that doesn't seem like a conflict of interest, then, uh, well, it all is. So we're not going to get into that. Um, what are you talking about, Katie? What? That's no, kind of- never. Ha <laughs> ha, never. <laughs> so Lawrence Phipps Jr. knew kind of from the jump that he was going to inherit his father's business. He was okay with doing that. He was fine with it. He also mm-hmm. liked to dabble in a bunch of other stuff. He served on the board of directors for Mountain States Telephone Company, which is now CenturyLink. He managed the National Western Stock Show. <laughs> Pretty cool. Just that little thing. He also was in the military service during World War I and World War II. Oh. hmm So he did, like, a lot of stuff. He did also give a lot of money to charity. Apparently, he intentionally wanted to do it anonymously. He didn't want people to know that it was him. He just wanted to give money away. That's cool. All right. That's pretty neat. So, 1937, he buys Diamond K Ranch, changes the name to Highlands Ranch, as we know it today. And that's the name that has stuck Mm -hmm. with. He did... They lived in the house. They also used part of the land for the Arapaho Hunt Club. Like fox hunting. Mm -hmm. On like on horses, like with the red coats, the whole shebang. It feels like the richest of rich guy activities. It is. It was high society. The club was based in Denver and then it went defunct in 1929 for some obvious reasons, like all the people that used to have money to do that don't have money anymore. And, but uh, Phipps was part of it and he really enjoyed it. So he actually resurrected the the club and then a bunch of other hmm. um, called eager foxhounds. Uh, well, those are the dogs. But I also would like that to be the name uh, of guys who like to do, not just guys, but anybody who likes to do fox hunting. You should be called foxhounds. Eager foxhound. Yeah, an eager foxhound. It's like being like a fanboy. It probably pissed some people off, and I find that hilarious. Um, Mm -hmm. So he said, hey. I really like doing this. And they went, that's cool. And they started doing it. They opened the club on the property. Neat. So Lawrence Phipps and his wife, whose name 
I'm trying to find. I can't. Uh, they purchased the property in 1937, but he had been at the house like a lot before and he loved it. He loved the ranch. He thought it was absolutely gorgeous and that it would be an absolutely perfect fit for him. So he snatched it up instantly when the Kisslers sold it. And then he lived there and allowed the Fox Club to live there until his death in 1976. So quite a long period. Of, he was but he was definitely the longest consistent mm -hmm. owner. I mean, that's almost like what? 40 years? It's like decades. Yeah. And then he dies and the ranch passes into his estate. And his estate was in okay. trust. So it was handled by Highlands Ventures Corporation. From there, from 1978 to 2010, it was owned by a holding company, like a property management company, Mission Viejo. Mm -hmm. And that was when just the random farmland was sold off to build okay. community homes, like suburbs. It's when it was sold off yeah. to build suburbs, which coincides with exactly what was happening in the Denver area in general in the 70s. City condensing was really spreading out. That's when a lot of suburbs mm -hmm. were either, either like blew up, like the small towns surrounding Denver blew up, or that they were actually founded. So the circles of population growth are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And Highlands Ranch is right. one of them. They named the community after the massive ranch that everybody saw. <laughs> and everybody, like, this place was elite. And then in 2010, so pretty recently, comparatively. Yeah, that's like a long time to just kind of sit and trust. Yeah. And it was like... I, it wasn't really used for anything. I mean, everyone knew it was still a historic home. It had historic mm -hmm. status, but no one was living there. It wasn't like broken up and turned into apartments, which is pretty lucky considering that most of the historic homes, especially in Denver in the 70s, were. Yeah, it must have been like just far enough away. Yeah, there wasn't anything out there. Escape. Yeah, exactly. You want to live on this hill? Okay, there's <laughs> nothing here. Oh, Oh. Food? No. no. Schools? <laughs> no. Horses? So then, and it passed through a number of other just property management trusts, the final one being Shea Homes. And then Shea Homes gave the mansion, the small plot, like the immediate grounds. Mm -hmm. And money from the trust to historically renovate it, they gave that to the Highlands Ranch Metro District, district who owns and operates the property today, still, currently. And now it's used as a historic site, kind of a living museum, but also primarily a event space. Yeah. So that's yeah. If you look it up, it's like a lot of weddings. Yeah, and pictures. They do weddings. <laughs> you can do parties. 
Um, you can. I mean, I'm already married, but even I was like, dude, let's get divorced so we can get remarried here. Do it again. It's pretty gorgeous. <laughs> and you can still do historic tours of the home. So you can still go mm-hmm. in and see. Um, but that's kind of it. Nice. Yeah. That was Very a lot good. of history. It's had a lot of owners. It's a lot of history. It has had a lot of owners. So uh, do you want to play the game of how many owners is Andy related to? Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Because I looked it up. <laughs> I knew it. That night when you're like, I'm probably related to some of these. Okay. Mm. I'm going to start small. I'm going to make a small bet. Two. Okay. Okay. So there were there were basically like six, right? Mm-hmm. Individual owners. Uh three. Get out. <laughs> Who are you related so, to? Samuel Long is my ninth cousin five times removed. Yep. None of these are close relatives. No. <laughs> They're just uh John Wallace Springer, ninth cousin three times removed. And then Lawrence Phipps Jr. is the husband of my eighth cousin, four times removed. So this is your house. <laughs> what I'm hearing is I mean, this is I your feel home. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be. Okay. Let's <laughs> let's do the paperwork. You know, what do we gotta do? Okay. Well, we have to get a white guy to sign a paper saying that I own it now. We can do that. Hopefully there's a little more to it now. I hope we've learned our lesson from that. It's never a good idea to just let people do that. Um, <laughs> I mean, having just bought a house, there's a lot more to it. We could find we could find someone. Harper. Harper will say you own it now. Yes. Little bagel dog. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Thank you for licking me with your butthole tongue. I appreciate that. Uh, it's so great. The l- it's just wonderful how they show their love. Mm-hmm. We just one lick, two lick, one lick. lick. (laughs) Yeah. So they just want to share. A lot of owners, fifty percent of whom you are related to, (laughs) because of course you are. You are related to everyone. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. quite a few various tragedies and a long history. And one thing I know about old houses. With a long history means ghosties. Ghosties. Yes. So let's get into it. So there are a few stories that have kind of circulated on their own. And then it seems like Spirit PI, who hosted the ghost hunt that we did, mm-hmm. have been the primary investigators okay. for the mansion. So I... I'll start with the generals, and then I'll kind of get into the their findings. Okay. Um. So, uh, Julia Kissler, who's the daughter of the other Kissler that I've lost his name of, that bought the house. Um. She so he bought it in 1926. She is known to haunt the mansion. I'm not sure why. They know it's her. Okay. Or what happened to her. Did uh, she but people die have there? Re- I don't think so. Okay. But I'm not sure. Okay. Um, 
People have reported hearing her sobbing or witnessed her silhouetted figure in the house. Uh, Mostly people report seeing her in the upstairs bedroom, in the window, and in the hallway. Which, when we were, I mean, even just as we were walking in, we were like, that is a perfect window for haunting. Absolutely. Is she wearing white? Because there's always a woman in white. I would assume. I think... If she wasn't, she had to change clothes when she became a ghost. Yeah. You automatically get... Because you have to fill that void first. You will get a white flowy dress. Regardless of Mm -hmm. the clothes you dyed in, everyone... Exactly. Everyone gets one white flowy dress upon death. Yep. Because it's traumatic. It makes a statement. It says, hi, I'm here. Doesn't it? It's tradition. There's a baby on your face. Uh, so there was a tour guide at one point who was alone in the solarium, uh, which is, it was also gorgeous. It was like a big, super windowy room. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like mint green paint, yeah, tile floor, like a, very white. Kind of a Mediterranean vibe mm-hmm. going on. That was also on uh, purpose. I believe it. It's where I would hang out. Dude, yeah. Uh, So a tour guide was alone in that room and was suddenly completely overwhelmed with the smell of roses. Oh. And then it just vanished. Specifically, like, rose perfume. And then later they were discussing this and another woman said that she had had the same experience years ago. Uh... And then, when they were discussing this on a tour, a woman that was on the tour said that she had lived across the street from the mansion and would occasionally get overwhelmed with the smell of rose perfume that just vanished. That's very cool. Right? I mean, technically, any house that was across the street would have belonged to the Highlands. Yeah, it would have been... Back in the day. The ranch property. Fun fact, did you know mm-hmm. that if you drink turpentine, it will make your urine smell like roses. It will also kill you, but that's not important. What is important <sighs> is that it will make your urine not smell like crow's pee-pee, and it will make it smell like rose perfume. And Roman women hmm. would drink it in order to smell good huh Mm -hmm. what's also not important is why katie knows that don't worry (laughs) about it i read about it it's not because i tried everyone do not do not drink turpentine it is toxic it will kill you don't do that yes also don't romans did a lot of things that were bad ideas yeah that would kill you like not not the public restrooms that was a great idea Yes. Bad idea, though. They had a lot of good ideas, too. Bad, yeah, with running water underneath. Great idea. Yeah. Bad idea, cleaning your areas, your bits, your your personal bits, with a communal sponge on a stick that was dipped in, like, water and maybe maybe some vinegar. 
to like uh, clean it off, but pretty much you just dip it in there and and then dip it down again, and in, then the next person would would do that. So not a good idea. In their defense, they were also ingesting a lot of lead. Yes, they were quite a bit <laughs> in their drinking yeah. fountains and their paint and their metal and their jewelry and. and their- Cups and their cups and, and their, their makeup, wine. Um, <laughs> so that too, that was your yeah. fun. Have we always been gross? Yes, yes, we have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so another experience that was pretty common. Uh, there's this, this huge grandfather clock in kind of the great hall entryway area, mm-hmm. and. Even though the clock had been broken, it used to chime. Hell yeah. Randomly. Yeah. They have now fixed it, so you can't experience that anymore, which is kind of a bummer. Bummer. I get it, though. Grand, grand clock, the can't talk. Grandfather clocks are pretty rad. So. <laughs> Sounded like you were going to say a graham cracker clock. and Graham cracker clock. That sounds delicious. <laughs> That's like a, it's like a furniture for your gingerbread house oh it's adorable <laughs> a graham cracker clock <laughs> but a bitch oh, okay uh. uh and then the standard uh reports of lights turning on and off mm-hmm. by themselves mm-hmm. just like haunting 101 yeah which is probably ghosts and old house yeah it's both. Exactly. Yeah. So Spirit PI did uh they did an investigation like years ago. I wanna say this is like two thousand nine or something. Um, and they had a video of it on YouTube. Or at least parts of it. So I got some stories from there. I got some stories from just things that they told us while we were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you took notes. You fucking nerd. I did. <laughs> I'm, such a nerd. I'm just like listening intently, being like, okay, <laughs> let's enjoy the experience. And I look over, and Andy has a notebook and a pen, and is just mm-hmm, and then writing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then write, and oh yeah, we gotta make a note of that. It's like you. That's yeah, why you're the brains to this. I'm that person. So, uh, the, ba, ba, ba. okay, so the main story that they talked about while we were there was the story of Isabel, mm-hmm. who, if you remember from Katie's story, was the second much younger wife of John Springer after his wife, Eliza, had died of tuberculosis. And she is the one that he divorced after he found out she was being unfaithful. So the story goes that Isabel uh, had multiple extramarital dalliances. And so one time when John was out of town, a man named William came to visit her. And somehow he found out about another man that she had had 
a relationship with named Tony. And he convinced her to write him a letter telling him to come visit her. And then she was going to break things off with him for good. Because I guess William was the jealous type, even though he was dating a married woman. Okie dokie. Yeah. So things escalated between William and Tony. And William ended up shooting Tony. As well as two other guys. Because he just like unloaded his gun and was not careful about aiming. Do you think he was... Because this... This isn't at the house, right? This is at a different no, location. this is at like a bar. or a ho- I think it was at a hotel bar. Oh, it was maybe? the Brown Palace. That's right. It's in that bar. So do you yeah. think that he like turned away and is just like, Wah! fire, fire, fire? Or did he just not account for how strong a gun is and it, kicks back and skews your hand if you are not prepared to handle it. Or he was drunk. (laughs) I think the true story is that it was a combination of all three. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. He was drunk and upset and not aiming and not accounting for the power of a weapon, even a vintage one. Do you watch Archer? I have, yes. So when Cyril becomes an agent, <laughs> every time they go out, he just yells suppressing fire yeah, and shoots everywhere. Shoots. That's good I was picturing. Uh, new story. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> started screaming suppressing fire and just shot. Mm-hmm. So he ended up, uh, if I remember correctly... He he got off on killing Tony because they considered that uh, self-defense because things had escalated between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were already like fisticuffs. Uh, but, and the one person that he <laughs> the one person that he shot ended up living, but then the other one died. And so he ended up in jail for that later on but so a spirit pi says that they tend to see isabel in the upstairs rooms which they were lovely Mm -hmm. they were lovely rooms uh and if i had lived in a castle in life that is absolutely where i would haunt in death i'm wandering that hallway like i might just haunt there anyway yes because it seems lovely my dog is growling. I apologize if there's background noise. I There's a person <laughs> walking on the other side of the street, and she takes personal offense she to that. She has to protect you. <laughs> I find it hilarious. You are seven pounds. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you? They're always the most vicious ones. You'd run up and lick them to death. Apologies. Continue. Uh, So, the lead investigator, which I believe his name was Kevin? 
Schiller, I think. I don't remember. Uh, the lead investigator, when he was recounting this story, accidentally switched the names. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying that William shot Tony, he said Tony shot William. So when one of the other uh, investigators mentioned that to him, they had uh, the, I forget what it's called now. I clearly didn't take good enough notes. Um, they had the machine that flips through the radio waves mm-hmm. and then you can hear him talking. Uh, they had that going and when the investigator calls out like, did William shoot Tony? They got an EVP or whatever they're called on that saying, don't forget that. And they played that when we were there and it was, it was very clear. <laughs> that Yeah. I definitely heard off. something communicating mm-hmm. like you're goddamn right you got it wrong. <laughs> Okie dokie. Okie yeah. dokie. Sure. If anything from the other My side bad. actually contacts me, absolutely. I'm going to take that. I'm going to do yes, what sir. you say. Uh I'm so sorry. Unless you're asking me to move into a doll, in which case, absolutely not. No, thank no, you. Thank or you. take a doll home. No, mm-hmm. thank you. No, no, thank, no you. thank you. I'm set. I have plenty at home. <laughs> so, no. But yes. if you are going to fact check me, I will listen to you. Absolutely. Yep. Um, they have also caught some curious mist formations on camera. Uh, and some, some orbs, uh, at one point he, uh, I forget if this is when they heard something, but at one point the investigator kind of holds out his hand and he's like, Hey, take a picture with me. So he holds out his arm. Like he's like, he has it around like a kid, Mm -hmm. um, around their shoulders. And in the photo, there's like an orb, right? Like in his hand, basically, uh, let's see there's a video that they got that seems to show a child playing with a toy in the hallway and like yeah (laughs) yeah fuck that that one was mm -hmm, that one was real creepy it looks like he's got like a toy truck or something Mm -hmm. and he like sets it down and then like looks behind him at the investigators yeah like you can see it pretty well it's Mm -hmm. that one was that was not a physical human being. Mm. Yeah. A living physical human being. That, no thank you. Yeah. Um, child ghosts. <sighs> Not a fan. Just, just leave it Not at that. Child ghosts. Well, no. It's either incredibly sad and tragic or incredibly, like, creepy and malevolent. And this probably is not accurate, but I heard one time on a podcast that somebody was like, there are no child ghosts. There are only things pretending to be children. And that's stuck in my brain. So even if there are child ghosts, I'm like, demon! Yeah, it's either a really sad kid, or Mm -hmm. it's not a kid. Yeah. And 
the latter portion of that idea is a hefty, heaping amount of fuck no. Mm -hmm. No. Just no. So they have also heard music and voices around 1 a.m. Uh, they caught two EVPs. There was a woman saying, get going, and another voice that just said, go. Uh, they showed us a few more EVPs. I wasn't super convinced on those. I had just had just... a hard time hearing them. Yeah. I always have that problem. They're like, oh, it's clearly saying this. And I'm like, is it though? Yeah. And some of the pictures, yeah. you were like, oh. And I, who did not have corrective vision on in any way, <laughs> Was just, Andy, I can't fucking see shit up there. It could be real. <laughs> I can't see it. Which is also why as much as I'd love to do a paranormal investigation because I love history and I would absolutely ask questions, I would be trash because people would say, can you see that? No. No, I can't. I can't see the couch that's in front of me. I can't see fuck all in the dark. I almost tripped and ate shit on a fireplace large enough to fit multiple human beings inside. Andy had to help me because I couldn't see anything. Uh, it's fine. Thank you. You survived. Thank you for catching me, by the way, because I would have gone down uh, yeah, real hard on that marble. <laughs> and there was an old lady in front of me and I would have taken her out too. But we did warn the old lady behind us. We did. So, yeah. Safe. Hero of the hour. Uh, <laughs> right. Don't do this thing that I almost did. Um, so they, on like a previous investigation, I guess one of their investigators was up working in the attic and he just like dropped all his tools and ran. And apparently there is a boy a little boy named Alex who's known to haunt the attic and he likes to hold hands with people. And so this investigator was like, someone just grabbed my hand. And then he noped on out of there. Why is he in the attic? I don't, I don't know. It's either sad or horrific. I don't know. Or he's just, the fucking weird ass kid being weird. My kids would do something like that. Oh, your shadow person child absolutely <laughs> oh would. Just because. If you haven't seen this picture, I posted it to Instagram. My son decided to be a shadow for Halloween. So I got him one of those, like, you know, like the green man suits. Like, they're just like spandex whole body suits. I got him one in black. And he asked me to take his picture. And he just kind of goes and stands in her dining room. And, like, I took the picture. And even when I looked at it, I was like, ah! <laughs> it's horrifying. That, you could make that picture look so, like, vintage and horrifying. It's already <laughs> absolutely creepy. When I saw it, mm -hmm. I went, nope. Mm -mm. <laughs> Let me tell you, if I walked into a house and I saw that Standing there, the demon's gonna catch these hands. I'm gonna hit a kid. I like I'll hit a kid. 
<laughs> and I showed it to my partner and he was like, fuck that. That's absolutely, he's like, that's horrifying. That's fucking horrifying. <laughs> uh, but I love. Yeah, he would hang out in the attic. <laughs> yes, he would. And I love his genuine creativity. That that's what he thought about. Someday. Right. While horrifying is also really ingenious and just a good time. Mm-hmm. That creativity is going to pay off. He's yeah. going to make horror movies. He's going to give me a heart attack first. Yes. But Leave alone. Don't lick your butthole. <laughs> uh, and then they also have caught multiple uh, audio recordings of, like, kids saying things. And so there was one that said, stop people, I believe. And then one that said, mommy, I love you. Mm -mm. And like those ones you could hear really well too. I'm not your mommy. No, thank you. Mm -mm. I just, no, thank you. No kids. (sighs) Okay. So then I thought we would get into our experience. Ghost hunting. Uh, so we arrived just to set the scene. We arrived just as the sun was starting to set. So we had that perfect lighting on this beautiful castle. It was wonderful. Uh, we, they had us go into the ballroom first. I'm assuming that's what it was called. I don't know. It's a big open room. Yeah. It was garages. That then much, much later was turned into the big modern, like it was, it was fully modern. Yeah. Modernized event space. And yeah, it had been like garages and other shit. (laughs) It was outdoor shit. Checks out. Um, so we started out in there and there were drinks and snacks. Which is lovely. And then Spirit PI did a presentation where they explained kind of how paranormal investigations work. And then they went over some of the evidence that they found at the mansion. So this is where we got to see the creepy kid videos and hear the uh, EVPs and whatnot. Um, So then we separated into three groups and went to different areas. So our group, we started uh, on the main floor, and we went into the, I don't know, the main entryway living room. I had a word for it just a minute ago, and now I've lost it. It's the same room as the big graham cracker clock is in. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We started Uh, in the living room, and then we maneuvered around the house. And then we circled around, yeah. Uh, So we started in the living room, and then we went to, like, a parlor where they kind of set up a card game to try and stir up some energy. Uh, what uh, what was your impression? <laughs> In my face. We- um, I I felt like there was just a lot of people and yeah noise that it was a. Big group. It was a big group, which is exciting for 
the PI team and the investigation and the event space. That's great. I love mm-hmm. that you had really good attendance. I also think that if you're wanting to engage with the spirit realm, <laughs> a lot of people might make that a little difficult to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, that was, that was, that was Katie's diplomatic way of saying that we got nothing. (laughs) There were, there was nothing on any of the instruments. Uh, the only time any of the EVP detectors went off was when somebody held it too close to their cell phone. Yes. Uh, so after, towards the end of that... We went into the solarium, I believe, and he set everything back up again, but people were kind of milling around and, like, getting ready mm-hmm. to go to the next area. And at one point, he says something to the effect of, do you want to talk with us? And this is when Katie and I heard something <laughs> on that little radio guy. Yes. Yeah, so... I heard get out, Katie heard get lost. Clearly, same message. Um, do you want to talk to us? Get lost. Pretty clear. That's a uh, no. He kept asking questions, and, um, so. <laughs> I believe in enthusiastic consent in all forms. Mm-hmm. So if it's not a fuck yes, thank you very much. I will leave. So sorry <laughs> to bother you. I, I read yeah. you because if you don't, that's how you get shit latching off to you. And that's how you get shit right. fucking with you. Yeah. And apparently he had, like, the the investigator was telling us a story about how he had something attached to him. And now his house is hella haunted. Like, cabinets opening and closing and, I don't know, chairs stacking or something. Don't mess around. You gotta oh. be careful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after we finished on the first floor, we went up to the second floor. Um, and this is where, like, the bedrooms and the bathrooms. Good Lord, there were so many bathrooms. But were there enough? <laughs> we kept having that running joke of, but do you think there's enough <laughs> bathrooms in the house? Right. Every single one of them was beautiful. It was. Yes. Gorgeous. So we started in one of the bedrooms. And we heard the the story of Isabel again and her suitors. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, we got nothing except they had one machine that if you got close to it, it would light light up. Mm -hmm. And so there was like a big radius around it. And that lit up like twice during those stories. Uh, But that was about it for up there. And so then we just got to wander around and look at all the pretty bathrooms. Which I just loved. And there was lots of, there were really cool spaces. Like, I think the rooms, there were two rooms that were connected by a hallway closet. And I think that that was, Mm -hmm. I don't know if all the time, but at certain points, that was like the master suite. And then mm-hmm. there were rooms. There were some rooms in the turret that we didn't get to go into, probably because that's they were yeah. like the businessy stuff happens and security for the house and shit like that. So they're not going to let people poke around, like the admin buildings. 
Mm-hmm. And the coolest bathroom. The best bathroom. Oh. <laughs> so there was a bathroom. And it was all done in like reds and blacks. And it had all been hand painted in like a Japanese style. And it was absolutely gorgeous. And so Katie and I are just like taking it all in, admiring. And this gentleman comes into the bathroom and he's like, this is always the creepiest place in the whole house. And we're like, oh, we love it. Yeah. Our first response. Oh, it's our favorite space. I was like, this space is amazing. (laughs) Nicer than my house. Right. So that's our vibe. Um, yeah so to end the night we went back to the ballroom there were like three different tarot card readers set up down there but we missed the sign up sheet and we're tired because we're old so we didn't want to wait um but I did bring a pendulum to see if ghosts wanted to talk to us (laughs) And so uh, we played with it for a little bit, and then I was like, okay, let's see if there are any ghosts. So I asked if there were any spirits there with us, and there was kind of a pause, and we got kind of a reluctant yes. And then I asked if they wanted to talk to anyone that night, and we received a firm no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we just put it away. Again. (laughs) Makes sense. They were all yeah, just We respect mm-mm. consent. No, I don't I don't want to talk to all of you. Yeah, I get that. So I would I personally would love to go back with a smaller group or even do yes. another Denver space with the with a much mm-hmm. more intimate group. How do you feel about that, Andy? Yeah. I would agree. It felt um it felt very like, I don't know. It was like a big production, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like we were asking any spirits that were there to, like, put on a show. Mm-hmm. And it it didn't feel the most respectful, I guess, in that setting. And I couldn't really blame them for not wanting yeah. to talk to us. Yeah. But, yeah, I think a smaller group would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And they seem pretty rad. I bet we could just email the people in charge and be like, hey, can we ghost hunt? And they'd be like, sure. That would be <laughs> really, really cool. And then we could shout them out on the podcast to our right? small but loyal group of listeners. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then we, then we went home, called it a night. It was like 9 o'clock. So I mean, maybe that was part of the problem, too. Maybe it was too early for, like, we're still sleeping. Another reason why I would be a absolutely terrible um, paranormal investigator is you have to be a night owl. I am not a night owl <laughs> in any way. At 9 o'clock, I'm done. 9.30, I'm out. I would fall asleep. Yeah. Ghosts or no ghosts, That'd be- I'm out. We'd... We'd have, like, a video camera running, and it would just show us falling asleep, and then, like, a demon tromping through, and we're just completely oblivious. And I'm out like a light. I just, yep. 
Graham cracker clock chiming? I don't hear it. I don't care. Nope. The blanket's <laughs> moving. Nope. I'm done. Nope. Where's Katie? Nothing. I'm right Knocking here. Knocking on the wall. And even if I do wake up, those those stories that you always hear, like shout out to one of my favorite podcasts, Morbid. Hello, ladies. Um, <laughs> Hello. A lot of the listener submissions where they talk about being startled by something, but then being like, fuck it. I fell back asleep. I'm that person. I would fall. <laughs> I would fall back asleep because my brain is just way too, I'm too tired to deal with this. If you're going to attack That's me, fair. you're going to attack me, but like I'll crawl under the bed and sleep there, but I'm sleeping. <laughs> uh, just down there chilling with the monsters. Good night. <laughs> Shh, I'm sleeping. Just not respectful. And then back. Keep it down. Uh, yeah, so that was our our first ghost hunt. And even though we didn't really find any ghosts, it was still super fun. Oh yeah, I had a great gorgeous. time. Yeah. And the house is beautiful. It has been Absolutely. Lovingly taken care of. The grounds are gorgeous. There's tons to explore there. Paranormal and historical. Yep. So there you go. Mm -hmm. 10 out of 10. We do again. Yep. <laughs> all right. I think that's, that's all I have for tonight. Thank you, Andy. Um, Where can people find us? They can find us on Instagram at two girls who scare easily with the number two, or they can email us directly at two girls who scare easily at gmail.com, also with the number two, uh, or they can tune in next time for more spookiness. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So I guess uh, be smart, be safe, be scary. <laughs> We're never going to nail the double unless we're, we're not. physically it's in person. Be. So I'm not even attempting it. It's fine. I know my place and I know it's not there. <laughs> nope. It's fine. I like it. <laughs> Bye. Bye.